Would you please turn with me to Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 13. Good teaching in the expired Levitical ceremonial laws. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Chapters 11 through 15 deal with the the subject of sin. Sin's source, sin's effects, sin's defilement. But thank the Lord, chapter 16, sin's eradication, sin's removal. Day of Atonement. We're looking at the two chapters on the skin diseases called leprosy. Today it's called Hansen's disease, and for the most part, there's a cure to Hansen's disease in many places of the world. We have a missionary in our church uh, who went to South America as a gospel preacher and he uh, was among lepers and he really got a burden for their souls and a burden to see if he could help them physically. And he went back to Northern Ireland and became a physician. And the Lord used him to bring a cure to much uh, of the lep- many of the lepers and, and uh, saw an eradication of what's called Hansen's disease. Um, and you can get his... his uh, his biography, um, it, it's available. I believe he's retired now in Northern Ireland. But this was an incurable disease as we read in chapters 13 and 14. I'm just going to read a few verses from each chapter. Chapter 13, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man shall have in the skin of his flesh a rising, a scab, or bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest, or unto one of his sons the priests. And the priest shall look on the plague in the skin of the flesh. And when the hair in the plague is turned white, and the plague in sight be deeper than the skin of his flesh. It is a plague of leprosy, and the priest shall look on him and pronounce him unclean. If the bright spot be white in the skin of his flesh, and it in sight be not deeper than the skin, and the hair thereof be not turned white, then the priest shall shut him up that hath the plague seven days, And the priest shall look on him the seventh day, and behold, if the plague in his sight be at a stay, and the plague spread not in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up seven more days. And the priest shall look on him again the seventh day, and behold, if the plague be somewhat dark, and the plague spread not in the skin, and the priest shall pronounce him clean, it is but a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab spread much abroad in the skin, after that he hath been seen of the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen of the priest again. And if the priest 
See that, behold, the scab spreadeth in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprosy. And then verses 44 through 46. He's a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean. His plague is in his head. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent and his head bare. And he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without or outside the camp shall his habitation be. And then turn to chapter 14. This is the cleansing of the leper. The Lord said unto Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest. And the priest shall go forth out of the camp. And the priest shall look. And behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper, then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds, alive and clean, and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it in the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and shall dip them in, and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. And then verses 12 and following. And the priest shall take one he lamb and offer him for a trespass offering and the log of oil and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And he shall slay the lamb in the place where he shall kill the sin offering and the burnt offering in the holy place. For as the sin offering is the priest's, so is the trespass offering. It is most holy. And the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and the priest shall put it upon the tip of the right ear of him that is to be cleansed and upon the thumb of his right hand and upon the great toe of his right foot. And the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand And the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand and shall sprinkle of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And the rest of the oil that is in his hand shall the priest put upon the tip of the right ear of him that is to be cleansed and upon the thumb of his right hand and upon the great toe of his right foot. Upon the blood of the trespass offering and the remnant of the oil that is in the priest's hand He shall pour upon the head of him that is to be cleansed. And the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord. I think what Bonner, Andrew Bonner said was true that the Lord opens up sin under the figure of leprosy. Leprosy was sin's illustration, may we say. It's a type of sin. When we think of leprosy and these skin diseases, they were certainly disgusting. They were diffusive and they were penetrating in nature. Especially those that were 
obviously caused the, causing the, the person to be, become and be called unclean. Sin is described in the Bible in leprous terms. We shouldn't miss this. Matter of fact, it's called a stroke from God. Leprosy was a stroke. It struck the person. And the Bible says of the Lord Jesus, He was smitten of God and afflicted. Isaiah 53, 5. In other words, Jesus was smitten as He became sin for us. He didn't become a sinner, but He became sin for us. God struck Him with imputed sin. But Psalm 38 says, My wounds stink and are corrupt. That's a description of a disease. That's a description of leprosy. My wounds stink and are corrupt. Verse 7, My loins are filled with a loathsome disease and there is no soundness in my flesh. David is describing a leper. He's saying, I'm a spiritual leper. Isaiah 1.6 The whole head of the nation, that is, is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but listen, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. Those are descriptions of leprosy. So I believe as we compare Scripture with Scripture that we see that God did open up uh, leprosy as an illustration of sin. And I think that we would all agree that cancer, in a sense, is the parallel today. How we can be struck with it at any time. Now we may say, well, it's somewhere within us. How do we know that for sure? We can be struck with it at any time. People who've never had cancer in their in their genes, in their family, have been struck with cancer before. And in a real sense, un, unlike President, what President Biden said, said, there is no cure. He said, we've conquered it. Mr. President, you haven't conquered cancer. It is disgusting and widespread as we read chapter 13. It renders one unclean and there is no known cure. It renders one totally dependent upon God. Yet there is a day of cleansing, we're told in chapter 14, that renders one obliged and thankful to the Lord. So these three thoughts this morning, and they're thoughts about sin, Leprosy was disgusting and widespread. It rendered people unclean. Our sin is widespread. It's everywhere. And, it's, and we're, we're um, born in sin. It's disgusting. It's widespread. It has rendered us unclean. There is none righteous, no, not one. Secondly, there's no known cure. We're totally dependent upon God. There's no man-made cure of sin. Even there is no man-made cure of cancer. Yet, the Bible teaches, chapter 14, verse 2, there can be a day of cleansing that rendered one obliged and thankful to God. 
And then, of course, you have chapter 15, which deals with bodily fluids of various kinds that render people unclean. So you have skin diseases revealed in chapter 13 and 14 that specifically deal with lepers. And there was no doubt leper colonies. And you've probably seen uh, films of, of leper colonies. Remember Charlton Heston that had his, fi- his mother and his sister in a leper colony, if you remember. The Bible does indicate that there were leper colonies, or at least that they were separated from the rest of society. We have the ten lepers that were all together, and one was a Samaritan. See, the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans until they were lepers. Misery loves company. And so ten lepers were separated from the Lord and they cried out from a distance, have mercy upon us. They were separated from their families, separated from society. They were dependent on people giving to them. I suppose there could have been lepers in their caves or in their in their colonies that may have had commerce together, but how far does it go when you can't interact with the outside? And this leper that we read about this morning took a chance. Can you imagine the, the crowd when they saw him approach Jesus and they were aghast? What is this man doing in the crowd? He was bold and he was risking perhaps being stoned to death. And yet Jesus touched him. When he said, Lord. Notice he doesn't say, Lord, if you can, you will make me whole. Do you notice what he said? If you will, you can make me whole. In other words, he was saying, it's not a question of your ability. I know you can cleanse me. But will you cleanse me? Are you willing? Do you wish to cleanse me? And the Bible says Jesus touched him. You would never touch a leper. You would, it was contagious. But He was the King of kings and Lord of lords and and Jehovah the healer. And When Jesus touched the leper, He didn't contract leprosy. The man was purified, cleansed on the spot. I will be thou clean. Great picture of salvation. So only the lepers are dealt with in chapters 13 and 14. But anyone and everyone, may I say, none are exempt in chapter 15. All these bodily fluids, infections, colds, it would would include infections, colds, flu, female and male issues. In other words, the transmission and the uncleanness of sin. It affects everybody, not just a specific group. And the point is that that we are sinners. We're defiled and we defile others we are unclean we cry out with Paul who shall deliver me from the body and the soul of this death Leviticus 11 to 15 is is to teach us that we need to feel our uncleanness we need to feel our need of the Lord we need to feel our need of salvation let's not read over these ceremonial laws There are benefits to them. There are illustrations, in this case, of sin's uncleanness and sin's condemnation, our human hopelessness. But thank God there's a divine remedy. 
First of all, that sin is, as it's illustrated by leprosy, is corrupting and defiling and disgusting in nature. It's widespread and it is deeper than the skin, notice. In other words, it renders a person hapless. As a person began to see a scab, or he began to see a, a, a discoloration of his skin. Some first signs, it's, it would scare you, just like today in cancer. How does someone begin to discover he has cancer? It's, it may start with a pain somewhere. It might start with nausea. It might start with discoloration. It might, it might start somewhere else. There are different um, signs that it's beginning. Sometimes it's already struck the person and he has no clue until he's hospitalized. It can be so deceptive. Paul describes our condition this way. Sin, when the law came, sin revived and I died. He said sin became exceedingly, excessively sinful. In other words, Paul was saying, I realized that I was a filthy, rotten sinner and I didn't know it. I, I was a self-righteous Pharisee. But the law came and showed how covetous and how unbelieving and how proud I was. It was beneath the skin. I didn't see the discoloration. I didn't see the scab. But all of a sudden it came roaring to me that I was a, an unclean person. And sometimes cancer is that way. A person doesn't recognize it until it comes roaring into the life. Until blood profuses or until pain is excessive or until you lose consciousness. There are many ways in which sometimes cancer will just come roaring into the life of an individual. It's not always subtle. But again, it shows you that it's a picture of, of sin, leprosy, cancer, that it can be subtle. We don't realize how we need a Savior until the Lord begins to, to bring a scab into our life, a discoloration of the skin. We begin to say, see, man, I'm beginning to, to show anger and outbursts of, of, of wrath. and I'm beginning to worry. And, and the Lord allows these things to come to the surface in our life to show us that we're sinners and we need to be saved. Again, the first signs, chapter 13, arising, a scab, a bright spot. But then it's deeper than the skin, verse 4. And it's called the stroke. The plague is the word stroke of leprosy. The same word, Jesus was smitten of God. Oh, how He was smitten with imputed sins so that we could be saved. But what did Jesus say about sin? When the Pharisees were all upset because they didn't wash their hands before they ate. And He said, you Pharisees, are like the whited sepulchers. They paint the sepulchers. The, the, they paint the stones in the cemetery. But inside those, those, those caves and, and, and underneath the ground are dead men's bones, stinking, rotting flesh. And what Jesus said was, those things that proceed out of the mouth, not into the mouth, but out of the mouth, come forth from the heart. And they defile the man. It's deeper than the skin. It's deeper than washing your hands. It's deeper than saying a prayer. You know, we think that 
these surface things can deal with our sins. But he said, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts and murders and adulteries and fornications and thefts and false witness and blasphemies. These are the things that defile the man, not the things that go into the mouth. So thank the Lord when we begin to see scabs and discoloration and and fits of anger and, and unbelief and lust. And we say, Lord, I need to be saved. So often people are deceived. The Bible talks about the deceitfulness of sin and the deceitfulness of the devil. That we just put band-aids. How often people would put a band-aid over discoloration of the skin or a band-aid over a scab. And lo and behold, it begins to be painful and it begins to spread. We put a larger band-aid and a larger band-aid and we finally say, I need to go to the doctor. I need to see that it's darker, it's deeper than the skin. Trace the areas impacted in chapters 13 and 14. The skin, the head, the beard, the garment, and the house. In other words, almost everything in a person's life is affected. The skin, chapter 13, verse 2. The head and the beard, verse 29. The garment, verse 47, which is probably revealing all around him. That's all, that's all around him, just like chapter 11 about the unclean and clean creatures. And then the house, chapter 14, verse 34. The Lord would sometimes strike the house with the plague of leprosy. And they would have to scrape the stones and take out the, the scrapings, the, the, uh, the dust, and they'd have to wait. And then, if it continued, and the, and the plague, and we might have called that today mold, but the point is that it was a picture of sin in the house, in the home, the marriage, or the, or the parenting of the, of the father, or... Or the sin in the, in the sons and daughters. It's, it's a picture of the fact that sin strikes not just the individual. It strikes the family. And it strikes society. It can strike the church. It's like that incestuous individual in Corinth was told by the church, get that man out. Get that, get that mold out, as it were. Deal with your sin. Or it's going to plague the whole church. And so this, these chapters are teaching the whole being is affected. There's none righteous. We've all together become filthy. It's not good news when we see our leprosy. But thank God He makes us feel our uncleanness. Our sores. Our, how we think about leprosy, the sores were there. Aggravation. Burning sensations. They were just felt unwell. Discoloration, raw flesh, mold, infections. Chapter 15. In other words, they could feel it. And when you and I are unwell, whether it be a cold or a flu or some other thing, we begin to feel it. We're tired. We're weak. And we just don't feel well. There's a headache. There's a fever. There's a cough. Whatever it might be, we're grateful because those signs and symptoms help us deal with face the fact that we're sick. That we need medicine. That we need antibiotics. We need rest. And thank the Lord when people begin to feel the fact that they're, they're, they're anxious, they're unbelieving, they're lustful, they're proud. 
And, and the Lord makes them face this. And the devil wants people not to face their sin. You're alright. You're alright. Man is generally good. He doesn't want us to remember that we were conceived and born in sin and we live as sinners. What a sad day. Verse 44. But in a sense, it was a glad day. But it says he's a leprous man. He's unclean. The priest shall utterly shall pronounce him utterly unclean. As Paul said, exceedingly sinful. And he had to cover his lip, his upper lip, and cry, unclean, unclean. Think of the embarrassment. Think of the fear. Think of the sadness of that poor man when finally... He it wasn't he wasn't recovering. It wasn't getting any better. And there was a point that the priest had to say, "You're unclean. You're utterly unclean. You're hopeless right now. You're we have to separate you from your family, from your wife, from your husband, from your children, from your business, from your church." And they were told to put a put some kind of of covering over their upper lip because it is a picture even their breath even their speech is is infectious i mean these are all illustrations to us and they had to cry when people came near i'm unclean i'm a leper don't come near but please will you give me some food will you give me some funds we had just funds. How could they exchange? No one would want to exchange money with them. They had to cry and, and, and beg for food, for clothing, for shoes. And you could see that the wife, the husband, the children from a distance calling out to their loved one We love you. We miss you. And it's meant for us to feel our need. You know, the day comes when a person who dies without Christ is unclean forever. He's separated from God and from society, from family forever. And in hell, as it were, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. What a picture of us dying without Christ. We're defiled forever. We're separated. It says, He shall dwell alone. There's the colony, the leper colony. Without the camp shall his habitation be. He's gone from society. He's gone from his family. He's in a leper colony for the rest of his life. How sad. How sick. How, how separated. How stuck. What an outcast. But this is the Gospel need being shown. We're in need of the Gospel. We're in need. We're sinners. We're leprous spiritually. We have spiritual cancer. And thank the Lord when He reveals the discoloration, the scab, the raw flesh, the sin in our life. Maybe that's what happened to you or me. We realized the sin that started to emerge in our life. We used to enjoy our sins as it were, but what began to hit me was my dishonor of my mother. The Lord just began to bring that to the surface. You're an obnoxious man. You don't respect your parents. 
So little by little, little things began to, the scab began to form and the discoloration. And I knew I was lost. I needed help. But where could I find the help? And it was God's mercy to lead me to a church where the gospel was preached. And basically what the message was, man, you're a leper. You're unclean. You need the priest to come and look. You see Christ here, brother and sister. It's the priest. And you see it over and over again. The priest. The priest. Bring him to the priest. Bring him to the priest. And the priest looks. The priest waits. The priest pronounces. You see, the priest, he's brought to the priest. The priest looks. It's the priest that has to decide. And every person, in order to be saved, needs to be brought to the priest. Jesus Christ. The Bible says that many people don't come to the light because they'll have their darkness exposed. But coming to the light doesn't necessarily expose your... It'll then eradicate your darkness. You come to the light and you're shown to be a sinner. And you're shown to be naked without God. But the point is that He wants you to see the light that He might cause the darkness to leave. And so here's the leper separated now with fellow lepers as the lost, as it were, are with fellow lost people. We have in common with sinners. Just like that, the lost neighbor invited me to church. Why? Because he was miserable and he wanted another miserable person with him to, to join with. And two miserable people sat in the pew right up where Justin is. Two or three in, from the front. We sat as miserable lepers. And thank God that He showed me I'm a leper. You're a leper, man. You're unclean. And secondly, you find there's absolutely no known human cure in chapter 13 and 14. There's no remedy. He doesn't say, bring him to the priest and the priest has a potion to mix up for you to drink. He has an antibiotic. He has, a, he has a, an aspirin. Or you, he, the priest says, you have a week and you'll be clear. Or you have to wait a month. Or you have to wait a year. You see, there was no man-made cure. They were absolutely hopeless. They were absolutely dependent on the Lord. If you were brought to the priest, you, it looks like you've got leprosy. So you wait seven days. And from what we can tell, he didn't go back home. There was an infirm, what do you call it, an infirmary? There was, there was a place apparently where they took care of these people. They waited, they watched. And the man was like, I hope it doesn't get any bigger. I hope it doesn't break, break loose. I hope it, it doesn't get any deeper and darker. He was brought to the priest. Verse 3, the priest would look, and this is over and over again, the priest would wait, and then the priest would pronounce him clean or unclean, and command, if he was pronounced clean, to sacrifice. Or, he would have to tell him, depart from me. Depart from society. Man, is that not a picture when Jesus said, depart from me, cursed into everlasting fire? Or he would say, wash, burn the garments, and you're clean. 
There was no applying salve, no applying oil, no prayer, no known cure. You're hopeless unless the disease departs from you. You're hopeless if the disease remains. What a picture of sin. We're hopeless, humanly speaking. And what does religion do for man? It applies salve. It puts a band-aid over an infection. Say say you're, you're ten Our Fathers and twenty-five Hail Marys. Go pick up trash for the next month along the highway. Say your prayers every day. Go to confession. Do good. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We're conceived and we're born in sin. And we remain in sin unless the Lord intervenes. And how often do we find people who try to alleviate their sin by good works and wishful thinking and even some good programs. But you read in here that there are times when it seemed like the leprosy um, left them. But it came back. It came back. It came back. Could that be a person that confesses religion like Jesus said of the two seeds that at first grew but there wasn't enough soil and they were scorched or tares grew up and choked it. So a person that, that, that takes the profession of Christianity and religion but then, it comes, then the leprosy comes back. It was never removed. No, in, no human intervention. Where do you take your guilt, friend? Where do you take your leprosy? Where do you take your spiritual cancer? Do you take it to the bottle? The crowd? To religion? Do you ignore it? Hope it goes away? Do you dismiss it? Do you take it to the doctor who tells you do better? Lift up yourself with your bootstraps? Do you take the pills? Is it just immerse yourself in pleasures and pastimes? But how often people are told, and it's true, we can't help you anymore. You're going to die. And the worst thing they can tell you is just eat, drink, and be merry. The best thing they can tell you is get saved. Then enjoy your life. The little bit you have left. But how often immerse yourself in pleasures. No, take your sin to the priest. He's honest. Jesus is an honest physician. He'll tell you you're you're lost. You need to be saved. Jesus came right on the scene saying to sinners, repent and believe the Gospel. Repent means you're you're lost. You, You need to be sorry for your sins. You need to ask forgiveness. This priest can cleanse. And so they were they were made to feel their need and they were shown that there was no man made cure. 
set in the infirmary for seven days, and after that, they're unclean and they're separated. Or they see that they were healed. It got better and they were sent back into society. Thirdly, there was a day of cleansing. Look at chapter 14. This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. What a wonderful message that is. Do you see that? This is the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. It means... And the Lord spoke unto Moses. In other words, this was the divine word to the leper. You can have a day of cleansing, leper. You don't have to be a leper the rest of your life. The day of the, the, the law of the leper means a word to the leper. The cleansing day, in the day of his cleansing, the day when he is clean. In other words, it was a sovereign cleansing. There was no potion. There was no medicine. There was no prayer. It was God's sovereign power that now He's cleansed. It was a word from God and a change from the Lord. He's brought to the priest. The priest looks. The priest waits. And the priest commands that He's clean. He pronounces Him clean. The difference is this man must sacrifice He must see the shedding of blood. He must see that His cleansing came through the sacrifice. His cleansing was associated with the sacrifice, the blood shedding. What a picture of the Gospel. How is it that you and I are forgiven? How is it that we've been cleaned? How is it that we who worried are now trusting the Lord? We who lusted are now desiring holiness. We who are proud, humble our pride. And every day we seek to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. How is it so? And the Lord says, it's the blood. It's the blood of Jesus. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you see what they were to do to this man? You see the, you see the, the pictures? The ear gets the blood. Lord, let me hear Your Word. From here on out, let me be a listener. The thumb of the right hand, let me act for You now. Let me live for You. The hand is, the hand is used to for action. The, 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 the toe on the right foot, let me walk in Your ways. From now on, Lord, let me walk in holiness. And then the, the oil was spread upon the head, but first of all, the blood. Notice it was the blood first and then the oil. Not the oil and the blood. The blood was on the finger. The blood was on the ear. The blood was on the toe. It's forgiveness first. Then the Holy Spirit The oil pictures the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God only comes to the soul that's that's purchased by the blood, that's forgiven of sins. And just like in chapter 12 regarding childbirth, he gives a section that the poor could bring birds. Look at verse 21. The Gospel is to the poor and the needy. And if he be poor and cannot get so much, then he shall take one lamb for a trespass offering 
to be waved to make an atonement for him in one tenth deal of fine flour mingled with oil for a meat offering and a log of oil and two turtle doves or two young pigeons as he is able to get. The gospel is not just to the rich, to the wealthy, to the elite. Are you cleansed by the blood of Christ? Have you had the blood applied to your ear, to your thumb, to your toe? Are you the Lord's? Are you purchased with the blood? And may I say, if you're purchased by the blood, you must have been filled with the Holy Spirit. The oil comes without doubt. They must apply the oil where the blood was applied. The Spirit of God comes where Christ has purchased the soul. But may I say, do you sense the oil this morning? Someone likened, and the Lord likened the Spirit of God like a well of water that springs up. But what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit today? We've got the water, but the water is at the bottom of the well, as it were. And the, the challenge is, is the water coming up, brother and sister, into our soul, into our minds, into our hearts? We have the Spirit, but are we filled with the Spirit? That's not automatic. If you're filled with the Spirit, you'll walk in God's laws. You'll listen to Him. You'll be obedient to Him. You won't put your interests first. You'll be obedient to Him, whatever it is. Whatever the cost. Whatever the command. We don't, we don't pick and choose commands when we're filled with the Spirit. Matter of fact, we pick the ones that seem to contradict our convenience. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Are there some commands that God has given to you that you're unwilling to obey? Is there a person you can't forgive? If God has forgiven you, how can you and I throttle the, the, the necks of our fellow man who's, who's, who's offended us? Is there some sin you can't relinquish when Christ, you say, has died for all of your sins? And He says, go and sin no more, but I can't help my lying. I can't help my deceit. I can't help my loss. Oh, if you have the Holy Spirit, you can. If you have not the Holy Spirit, you can't. Is there something we're saying, I'll do anything, Lord, but that? That's where the Lord puts His finger. Like that rich young ruler. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Anything, Lord, anything. Well, do this, do that, do the other thing. Oh, I've done that. Sell all that you have and give to the poor. The Lord knows our, our weak spot, doesn't He? He knows that, that, that button. And He pushes it because He wants our all. He wants our being. What is the button that the Lord is pushing and you won't listen? I won't listen. If Thou wilt, Lord, I know You will to make me clean, but deliver me from my easily besetting sin. Touch me, Lord. The scab has come back, as it were. The discoloration of the skin. I'm backslidden, Lord. Wash me. Clean me, Lord. To the lost sinner, Jesus is saying, 
see the evidence of your sin, your unbelief, your lust, your deceit, your idolatry of self, your materialism. You've forgotten God. You know, the Bible says people go to hell just by simply forgetting God. Not murder. They haven't murdered. They haven't, they haven't lusted. They haven't committed adultery. All the nations that forget God will be turned into hell. The Lord wants you to see the rising, the scab, the bright spot, the discoloration, the raw flesh, the pain, the irritation, the distraction. To the professing Christian, he's saying, has sin roared back? Is it, was it deeper than the skin and you didn't know it? You've just been a professor and not a possessor of the truth? Have you returned to your spiritual leprosy? Like the sow returns to the mire and the dog returns to the vomit? Go to the priest. Only he can look and, see and declare what you are and only he can cleanse you and me. To the believer, may I say, this is a caution to us. Check the first rising. Check the first scab. Check the first appearances of sin. Think of people in the Bible. Peter. He never knew that he would deny the Lord three times. He never thought it was ever possible. And what the Lord showed him was his scabs, his discoloration. He could deny his Lord three times. Think about Mark. Would he have ever thought he could turn away from Paul and his uncle Barnabas? In the thick of the battle, in the midst of their missionary journey, he turned back. They needed him. He saw the scab and the discoloration. Miriam, remember her envy of her brother. She was struck, the Bible says. And you read that in Deuteronomy. God struck Miriam with leprosy. That's why we believe that this leprosy is a stroke from God. And thank God, when, and, and we all know that cancer is a strike from God. And it, all, it doesn't mean that a person has sinned. But thank God when we realize we need the Lord when He strikes us with conviction. John was struck with the fact that he had a scab when he bowed before the angel. You know, he sinned. He bowed to worship the angel and the angel said, Man, get up! When we begin to have man worship and angelic worship, Martha felt her scab when the Lord said, Oh, Martha, Martha, why are you worried? Your sister has found the best part. He wasn't excusing Mary. Mary wasn't lazy. He was just saying, Martha, you've got anxiety, leprosy. David for his adultery. Solomon for his idolatry. Noah for his drunkenness. These were all rising of the scabs and discoloration of the skin. And they needed to go to the priest for forgiveness. Praise God that we have a, a great high priest that is, is feeling with our infirmities. And who has the power to forgive our sins and to heal us. Isn't it interesting how the Lord talks about a disciple called Simon the leper? Not that he had leprosy anymore. But everywhere he went, people were saying, and it must have been a little bit embarrassing, but there's Simon who used to be a leper. Yeah, man, I, I was leprous. I was, I was in that colony. I was separated from society. But Jesus healed me. 
Jesus healed me. I'm a follower of Christ. He is the gospel. The one disclaimer is people will often say sins of disease. And the fear is, and the, and the, and the, and the deceitfulness is that we, people think sin just needs a little bit of treatment. A little bit of medicine. That's not why the Lord uses this disease as an illustration of sin. Sin doesn't need just an ointment. Do a little good here and do a little good there and say a few prayers here and say a few prayers there. Sin needs a deep, deep, deep cleansing and a ratification that only comes through the blood and power of Jesus Christ. We take our sins to Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God. What a Savior. Whatever the sin might be, saves all kinds of sinners, forgives all kinds of sin. And day after day, we plead the blood of Jesus and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Every day, we need to say, Lord, apply the blood to my ear. Apply it to my thumb. Apply it to my toe. Apply it to my head, my heart. My whole body. And Holy Spirit, please fill me. Put the oil upon my ear, upon my thumb, upon my toe. Oh, cover me. Cover my head with the oil. I need to be full of the Holy Spirit day after day after day. Oh, there's much doctrine and reproof and correction and instruction and righteousness in these ceremonial passages. Wash me and I shall be clean. What what does Isaiah say? Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be as wool. Amen. Lord, we thank Thee that You have revealed our leprosy